Meaning in every decision making, you think of the Lord and His will. Acknowledging not only His presence, but His will for our every action. I'd like to share with you tonight a message based on a very familiar scripture. I first heard these verses from my home church during its annual roll call. In our home church, this that called the home uh, annual roll call. And on that roll call, members were given the opportunity to cite a verse or verses that became meaningful to their lives. And I've heard a lot of verses cited, Psalm 21, 27, 1, Philippians 1, 6, Philippians 4, 19, Matthew 6, 33. These are wonderful verses. But one of the verses cited that really was imprinted or were imprinted in my heart was this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I started to memorize these verses and became a guiding principle in life. And tonight, I would like to refresh our minds with these verses. I know a lot of you memorize these verses. And also the instructions found in them. Because I found out that these are instructions for our life's journey. You know, we hear people say life is a journey. Travel it well. Yes, we need to live our life well and enjoy it. But we can only, only enjoy life when we are guided properly by the Word of God. Do you agree? When we travel from one place to another, we always try to get enough information. For our guidance, it is because we want our trip to be smooth and uninterrupted. Same in our life's journey, we need guidance in order for us to avoid unnecessary interruptions, maybe exhaustions in a way, and most of all, disappointments in life. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 is the best guide to a safe and successful journey. In fact, this was given by someone who had traveled before us, and that was Solomon. Here's the passage. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 7 and 8, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Now the sage here promises a safe and successful journey for those who follow these instructions. 
And here's the three instructions. First, it says, trust in the Lord completely. Trust in the Lord. The sage or the wise man here is telling us to have someone to count on. Someone to rely for guidance. And it tells us, you trust the Lord, my son. Trust in the Lord means to rely and depend on the Lord. You know, in Proverbs, trusting God or trusting the Lord comes to us in various forms. One, trusting God by listening to his word. It is a manifestation of trust that is almighty God when we listen to what he says. It also comes to us by humbling ourselves before him. Proverbs 28-25 says, He who is proud of heart steers up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Trust in God by being not intimidated by men. That's another form of given to us in Proverbs of trusting the Lord. In chapter 29, verse 25 of Proverbs, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. And in whatever way to show our trusted Lord, we must do it. Do it always because we will repeatedly fail in life no matter how knowledgeable you are if you ignore God and do things your own way. You will certainly fail. So the question is, why put your trust in the Lord? Number one, because trust in the Lord is wisdom. The name Proverbs wisdom, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I learned from them that wisdom here is the word chukma, to be wise. It is the ability to judge correctly and follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. And very interesting, in the Old Testament, wisdom is used in reference to the skill of seamen. Psalm 107, verse 27. And all these seamen or uh, seafarers, they know how to use the winds and tides to make their way through the sea toward their destination. That is wisdom. In Exodus 35, 31, it is used for the skill of an artist. Adorning the tabernacle, if you read the building of the tabernacle, there were people who were expert or skilled in adorning the tabernacle. That is wisdom. In Jeremiah 10:9, wisdom is all used to the expertise of the goldsmiths. And sometimes wisdom could be no one's a moral skill. For example, in Proverbs 1, 2 to 4, 
no wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, knowledge, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple or prudence to the gullible, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Meaning, it is the ability to see something from God's point of view and thus allow the truth of God to govern his life. That is wisdom. Governing one's life. Because I found some people, you know, they are knowledgeable. They know how to build business, but they do not know how to build their homes. They know how to earn a living, but they do not know how to manage their lives. They don't have wisdom. They don't have moral skill in managing their lives. So whether craftsmanship working with the materials of life or seamanship steering through the currents of life, so to speak, Wisdom understands how real life can work and we can only do it when we rely solely on the Lord. Take note the phrase trust in the Lord and its close associate, fear the Lord. This is the fundamental definition of wisdom in Proverbs. In fact, we can see this in our text. In verse 5 in our text, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And then verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. According to Proverbs, the wise people then are those who fully trust and fear the Lord. They are the wise people. They're trusting. They know how to trust them. They know how to fear the Lord. They know how to order their affairs according to God's righteous guidelines and thus avoid unnecessary disappointments, unnecessary disappointments in life. So why put your trust in the Lord it is wisdom. Second, why trust in the Lord? Because it is safe. Trusting the Lord is safe. Here is the verse, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Not the fear of man is a snare because that could control your actions, Right? When you're afraid, that can control your actions. Thank you. And that could lead us into taking another course, a route in our life's journey, and that sometimes would lead us wandering 
understand that the fear of man often causes us also to disobey God. Remember Abraham, because he was afraid of the people of Gerar that might kill him because of his beautiful wife. He lied by telling them that she was his sister. He failed to trust the ability of the Lord to protect him and his wife. In fact, Abraham saw that the ability of God, when God intervened and saved Sarah from being molested and he being killed. He saw that ability of God. Now understand this. As we journey through life, we meet dangers along the way. But God is able to free us from that, from that which does us harm. Therefore, it is our duty and our safety to place our confidence wholly, completely on the Lord. He is trustworthy. He is dependable, true to his promise to guide and protect us throughout our journey. You must live a life dependence upon God because that is the way to be safe. We are safe. Rest assured of that. We are safe in the Lord. Here's what he said, Isaiah 51, 12 and 13. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man which shall be made as grass? And forget us the Lord, the maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. What a comforting word from our God. The fear of man could also refer to the fears that we humans experience that may threaten our journey. They're fears that holds us back in life. It holds us back from following the Lord, from following the plan or the will of the Lord for us. Some people are afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of losing their friends. Afraid of getting old. Maybe afraid of retirement. Others are afraid of getting married. Afraid of in a serious relationship. Because they're afraid of losing someone they dearly love. Yes, this is our human nature. But let us not forget that God has, this is my conviction, that God has a blueprint for my life. His plan for my life is not affected by what has happened in the past or by what is happening around me and even by what may happen in the future. And the Lord said to Israel, and this is, say, is saying to us today, Isaiah 41, 10, Fear thou not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am 
thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And there's a verse we also memorize in the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 5. There he promised, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So why put your trust in the Lord? It is wisdom. It is safe. The next question we would like to answer is how to trust in God. And verse 5 says in our text, with all your heart. To trust in the Lord with all your heart refers to the total surrender of self. Now the word heart here functions as a metonymy or figure of speech of the whole person, mind, emotions, and will. So that speaks of, that is to commit our lives entirely to him. It speaks of complete trust. This is something that we must learn in life because I know that in some degree we trust God. Question is, do we really trust him completely? It is sad when we put our complete trust to some humans and some things, but we cannot put that kind of trust in God. We put ourselves on an airplane and relax and sleep. We step on a glass app in the space needle and enjoy taking pictures. Yesterday we went to, what's that? Suspension bridge. And hundreds of people were walking around and we joined them, just trusting those strong cables Hundreds of people on the suspension bridge together. We put our trust in the government for our health care, but cannot trust in the almighty hand of God who created the universe. That would shame me. I sometimes question my kind of trust in God. And I say to myself, why can't I trust him enough like Daniel, Hananiah, Meshel, and Azariah who said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. Why can't I trust him like Abraham who believed that God will provide a lamb instead of his son Isaac. I feel ashamed because this almighty God who believed to be the savior of my soul, and I can trust him with my present. That's our problem, because we can trust God with our eternity, but cannot trust him with the present life. Why? Many times I prayed, Lord, forgive 
me for my unbelief. I didn't trust you completely. This is what we do sometimes. We make plans, say a little prayer, then execute them by ourselves alone. Using all our academic training, our knowledge gained through experience, and forget to acknowledge God. And then when everything failed, that's the time we remember Him. I think that is an insult to God. Yes, He is a merciful God, and He can rescue us in a time we call Him for help. But it's more honoring to Him when we consult Him and trust Him at the start of every plan, at the start of every decision. Why we can trust Him completely? In Psalm 23, again, a verse, a passage that we all memorize. The psalmist expresses his great trust and delight at the constant protection of the Lord's shepherd. This is one of the greatest expressions of complete trust in the Lord. David here likened himself to a ship that feels secure and calm in the presence of a shepherd. He knows it because he himself was a shepherd. And that is the characteristics of the ship. He experienced the same confidence in his life before the watchful eyes of the great shepherd. If you really read meaningfully Psalm 23, you see the complete trust of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an expression of trust in this almighty and powerful God. So the says here in our text is instructing us trust in the Lord with all your heart. So because the only stable guide in life's journey is God, the says gives the his advice, number one, trust in the Lord completely. And second, he is saying, watch out for dangers along the way. Sit there and lean not in their own understanding. You know, I see a danger implied here. 
Take note that the opening verses call on the youth to absorb parental instruction into the very core of his being. As son, as a son, he must adorn himself with the teaching of his parents. Now, verse 1, if you may look at your Bibles. It says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life, verse 2, and peace shall they add to thee. This advice is given because of the danger posed by the sons acquiring many knowledge or acquiring knowledge. That's the danger. For, let me bring you to verse 7 to 8. In chapter 3, 7 to 8, the son is warned. He says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Verse 8, It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So the son here is warned that the moment he acquires enough information, he may become wise in his own eyes and not reverence and acknowledge the Lord and his decision makings. So the son, the son might forget that it is not enough to have heads full of knowledge. He needs the daily guidance of the Lord in, in applying all those information he got in his day-to-day -day activities. Let me warn us, because today we face the danger of what they call information overload. We are exposed to too much information. And our comprehension become overwhelmed that could affect our ability to make timely and correct decisions. I think Solomon had information overload problem. For example, if you may look at, look at 1 Kings 4, 29-33, there... Solomon's vast knowledge is recorded. It excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East Country and of Egypt. Remember the wise men came from the East? So wise people are from the East. It says there in this chapter 4 of 1 Kings, he was a poet, musician. He composed 1,500 songs. Wow. He was greater than Ethan and Haman, writers of Psalm 89 and 88, respectively. Also, he had literary, literary attainments. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, Solomon, 3,000 proverbs. These have been preserved, you know, in the book of Proverbs, and as well as a few in Ecclesiastes. And also, 1 Kings 4.33, he became an authority in botany and zoology. He also spoke of trees, animals, of creeping things, and of fish. What a knowledgeable person. But Solomon started right, you know, he started 
started right in his reign as king. The Lord gave him wisdom when he asked for it. 1 Kings 3, 5-11. He became wealthy and powerful. As king, he built the temple in his own palace, but sadly later in his reign as king, very sad, he acted independently of God. First Kings chapter 11, we see the first sign of his trusting in his own understanding and turning from trusting the Lord. It says in First Kings 11, 6, Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow. I, 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 I mark this in my Bible. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. He starts to build high place for Chemos and Molech, the god of the Moabites. And Molech is a god who is worshipped with child sacrifice. And although Solomon did not abandon the Lord completely, but he worshipped other gods as well. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. He compromised his affections. Also, Solomon loves many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. These wives were from the nations about which God had said, you must not marry or intermarry with them because they will surely, this is a warning from the Lord, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. And Solomon used, you know, in his wisdom, in his own understanding, he used marriage alliances to secure treaties with other nations. Apparently, he concluded that since he was a great king, he should live like other kings of the world, even though it meant disobeying God's word. But this multiplying of wives and alliances with foreign powers violated the covenant and led Solomon's ruin. The Lord was angry with Solomon. This is a very sad note in the Bible written about Solomon. The wisest man who depended on his own judgment and his decision makings. Solomon, who had a discerning, discerning or understanding mind, let his love for women turn his heart away from God. And a fact that is repeated three times in 1 Kings chapter 11, 2-4. And here now he is warning his son, My son, do not lean on your own understanding. And this is a warning for all of us tonight. The prophet Isaiah rebuked those who trusted in their own wisdom. He said, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and cleaver in their own sight. Again, this is a warning for me, for all of us, that even when you are a very knowledgeable person, in the various field of study, or even a person will verse in the Bible. 
understand that sometimes those stock knowledge in our head gets blurred because of selfish or selfish ambitions. That is why we need to acknowledge, to always acknowledge God. Today, in our age of information, sometimes those biblical truths in our head can become fuzzy because of other non-biblical information we get from the internet and many other sources. Prosperity preachers are there giving future promises by their health and wealth gospel. Many Christians were deceived in following them. Successful businessmen, businessmen are also there promoting their formula on how to be successful in life. Worse, the fortune tellers are there trying to lure us into their predictions and help about our future. The feng shui, feng shui, feng shui experts are there also. They would provide you with information on how to achieve harmony and balance in a way that will bring peace and prosperity in your life. Sad. Sometimes Christians are tempted to blend this superstitious and non-biblical formulas to biblical truths. Thus, they make wrong decisions. But let me remind us that the only, remember this, the only accurate guide to navigate life is the pure word of God and his person himself, the Almighty. Here's the warning for all of us. The moment we ignore God and trust anybody or anything else, we are bound for disaster. Figuratively, the word lean here in verse 5 is to rely upon someone or something for help or protection. The implied comparison is relying on one's own understanding is compared to leaning on something that is unreliable for support. And a man's understanding apart from God will not guide him right. That is why from the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, the warning is given. Proverbs 1, 10 to 15. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, lay us. Let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy light among us. Let us all have one purse. Verse 15. Emphasized by the Father himself. My son... Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, we can surely avoid pitfalls in our life, in our life's journey, when we depend on his guidance 
only through his word and by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 here says these words, your own understanding. The warning against depending on one's own understanding or intellect, take note of this, does not deny the ability of the human intellect to analyze and comprehend the situation, but it cautions us rather against depending solely on our own understanding our own understanding, that inherent human capacity to think and decide that functions in relative ignorance unless supplemented by divine wisdom. So when the sage said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, is warning about the danger of becoming wise in one's own eyes and not trust God with all his heart. We need to be warned that our understanding can deceive us. Here's a verse that support that statement. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I don't, I don't know if you heard about the story of Roy Rigels, the American uh, college football player that on January 1, 1929, his team, the Golden Bears, faced the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, USA. Midway through the second quarters, and uh, Rigels played center. He picked up a fumble and turned around and ran 65 yards in the wrong way. His teammate chased to stop him at the three-yard line, he was caught by his teammate and tried to turn him around, but he was immediately hit by a wave of opposing players. He was buried, and it was stacked to one-yard line. His team chose to kick the ball, or their term, uh, punk, punt the ball, rather than risk a play to close to their own end zone, but the punt was blocked for safety, and the opponent won. Rigel's runway run is often cited as the worst blunder in the history of college football. My brothers and sisters in the Lord, sometimes in life we do the same. Guided by our own judgment, we traveled far and found ourselves buried with disappointments upon disappointments because we ran the wrong way.
we follow our own understanding. And I remember, if I look back to my life, all the dis- disappointments and heartaches I've experienced, clearly it is because I lead on my own understanding. So because the only stable guide in life's journey is God, the saints gives his advice. One, trust the Lord completely. Two, watch out for dangers along the way. And lastly, third, acknowledge the Lord in all you do. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The term way here is figurative, referring to a person's course of life actions, and undertakings. That means in everything you do, in all you do, acknowledge Him. In schooling, in doing business, in getting married, in going for a vacation, etc., etc. Meaning in every decision-making, you think of the Lord and His will, acknowledging not only His presence, but His will for our every action. Now, how to acknowledge God in all you do? The major part I've learned of acknowledging God in all our ways is to pray and ask for his guidance in every decision. And then square it, your decision, square it to the word of God. If it really fits to what God says. Jesus said the example. Before he chose the 12 disciples, he prayed all night. Before going to the cross, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Allow me to read these verses. Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as the will. He went again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Many times in Jesus' ministry, if you follow his mission here on earth, he would withdraw himself into the wilderness and pray. That important prayer was to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ because he wants to do the will of the Father. How many times you failed to pray and ask God for guidance? How many times you failed to look at his instructions and the Bible and see if our plans are in line with his. Even in times when everything goes well, we need to acknowledge the Lord. I learned that one of the causes of the road accidents in the U.S. is that drivers get mesmerized for the long ribbon of straight lines on the road and they fall asleep. That's why engineers put the rumble straps to awaken the driver. Same thing in life when everything gets placid. 
We are tempted to tell God, Lord, leave the driver's seat to me. I can manage. And just to be awakened by failures, be awakened by disappointments. Why acknowledge the Lord in everything you do? We need to acknowledge God always because sometimes, this is what I've discovered as I studied the Bible, sometimes there's no clear-cut instructions. You have to remember this. There's no clear, sometimes, no clear-cut instruction or command what to do in some situations in life. Well, there are clear-cut instructions. They call that precepts. The Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. These are clear-cut instructions. But sometimes the Word of God comes to us in a principle. For example, be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's the principle to be applied in all our different relationships. And having a boyfriend or girlfriend, business associates, we have to apply this principle. Another example, the Bible warns us not to destroy this body, which is the temple of God. This principle can be understood as stewardship of the body. One day I was in a gym, and the lady asked me, why are you here? I also asked her, why are you here? She told me, because my husband is coming from abroad. She makes his body fit and looks uh, you know, beautiful. He said, how, how, how about you? I'm here for body steward. I'm the steward of this body. I have to get into exercise. I have to eat properly. Because this is a temple of God. I have to take care of it. That's the principle we have to apply. The Bible doesn't say you have to walk 10,000 steps a day. Or eat this kind of food. You have to apply this principle, taking care of our body. How? Go walk every day, exercise, be in sports. Uh, this food, not this food. And put a knife sometimes into your throat. If you're a man given to appetite. The stewardship of the body, right? So that's an example, the principle. We have to be wise in applying these principles. And that's why I've said we have to acknowledge God. Depend on Him in everything you do, whatever you do. And here's the promise. He shall direct thy paths. This is the assurance the Lord gives to those who fully follow his travel guide. This life isn't free from difficulties and trials. It does not necessarily mean material affluence, but rather it is where we experience fulfillment, joy, peace, and satisfaction because it is the place where God loves to bestow his blessings to his obedient children. And here's the additional benefit, Proverbs 3, 8, it shall be help to the navel and marrow 
to the bones. Navel here is a synecdoche or figure of speech for the whole body, same with bones, meaning as a result of following the Lord, he gives health and strength to the body. We may ask the quest, this question, why? Why? Because following God's commands makes one less likely to experience heartaches, disappointments, and bitter consequences which often befall those who lead a decadent life. If you're only willing to listen and trust him, we'll discover that his path leads to healing, leads to refreshment. He shall direct our paths. Now I close. We're all travelers in this life. I believe that sometimes in your life you have gone to side roads and met some disappointments. The Lord is reminding us all tonight to trust in Him completely. And never lean on your own understanding. In the New Testament, the disciples were warned by the Lord Jesus, for without me, you can do nothing. How often do we forget this warning from the Lord? Without him, we can do nothing. Let me close the message with this true-to-life story. In 1989, a pastor in the Philippines left his church and went to the U.S. Surrounded by many seeming favorable circumstances, he made the decision. Was he thought the right decision? One, favorable circumstance. His mother-in-law wanted him and his wife to join her and the other siblings in the U.S. Second, it was kind of trending during the time that Filipino pastors are leaving their churches in the Philippines and go to the U.S. and pastor a church. Also, life in the Philippines was hard. It was kind of, for him, it was kind of opportunity to go for a greener pasture. So he burned bridges behind and went to the U.S. He resigned from his work, sold all his books, others given for free. And bid goodbye to his friends and relatives. Seemed like a successful journey. Life for him in the U.S. went well for the first few weeks. But as months passed by, he started to feel some weight of guilt. He remembered his promise to serve the Lord in the Philippines. And he thought he failed to believe God's promises to provide him and his family's needs. The struggle started and guilt feelings just beat him every day. He also had near-to-death experiences in the U.S., 
The car he was in was bumped by another car, and that sent him to the hospital. And while working in San Francisco, he almost fell from the rooftop on an 11-story building. The guilt feelings and those scary experiences brought him back to the U.S., to the Philippines. He went home, but in 1991, he went back again to the U.S. for financial reasons. But praise the Lord, the Lord didn't lose track on him. One Sunday morning, while he was in Bethel Baptist Church in Schumburg, Illinois, the, the Lord sent his messenger, a former missionary in the Philippines, giving challenges about the work in the Philippines. And it took the message as for him, personally for him, directed for him. And in 1992, he went home to the Philippines for good and started a pioneering work. The Lord blessed the work, and the church was planted. The church was able to buy her own property, have her own building, and was blessed with people. There are struggles and challenges in the work, but the Lord enabled him to go through it. He said, he is happy where he is now. In the Philippines, because he knew for sure that it is the place where God wants him to be. And that pastor is me. The Lord directed my path. I acknowledged him in all my ways, even in ways where I know I got sidetracked. But he is true to his promise that he shall direct thy path. In my case, he redirected me back to the right path. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, rest assured, we may be sidetracked in our journey and found ourselves disoriented and disappointed in the side roads, but God is faithful to bring us back to to the right path when we have learned to trust Him fully. And with a heart, of course, to obey. God wants us to live our life well and enjoy it to the fullest. But we need, we need to acknowledge Him fully. Let me close with these few words. It's in the screen. Make His word your constant guide in all you do, wherever you go. In whatever circumstance you're in, look to the Bible. It is our 
GPS, in fact, GPPS. God's perfect positioning system. Follow all the instructions and listen to what it says. If you do, he promise to make your path straight. Oh, Father, we thank you. That your God who never lies, a God who is so dependable, a God who is able, if we only trust you, do everything according to your will. Forgive us for many times we trusted our own fallible, fecal minds, finite minds, and forget you who is all-wise, all-powerful. We will continue to travel as a life's journey as long as we live. But again, help us to look into your word, our perfect guide. Listen to what it says. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's word.